In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, I welcome you to the First Baptist Church of Oregon City Worship Podcast. Out of a love for our neighbor, a desire to protect the most vulnerable among us, and to reduce the burden on the healthcare workers of our community, we are continuing to suspend in-person worship services for the time being. And instead, we're worshiping via podcast. Whenever we worship together via podcast, we are worshiping through the power of the Holy Spirit, and Christ is present with us. There is nowhere we can go where Jesus isn't Lord, because all authority has been given to Jesus, both in heaven and on earth. And everywhere we go, Jesus is Lord. So wherever you're listening to this podcast, if you're listening on Sunday morning, the 7th of February, 2021, or if you are listening days, weeks, months, years later, Jesus is Lord. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, you are connected to our, to this body of Christ and to the worldwide body of Christ. This morning, I'd like to take a minute to, uh, to talk about financial giving. Uh, and it's not something I think that we've ever really discussed uh, on, on the podcast or in, in this, this worship format. We give as followers of Jesus out of a spirit of generosity, out of a spirit of joy, and out of gratitude for what God has given us. In the book of James, it tells us that all good things that we have have come from God. And scripture tells us that when, uh, that when we get good things from God, and that includes our financial income, that we return a portion of it back to God in gratitude and entrusting it to God to use to further his kingdom. Um, we call this giving tithes or giving offerings. And we don't compel people to give. And this is, this is not the, uh, the public broadcasting pledge drive uh, where we implore viewers like you uh, or anything like that. What this is, is... Uh, pointing out something new that we have. Uh, we've recently set up a, an online giving portal called Tithely. And it's available, there's a link in the Friday email, and there's also a link on our church website, onebaptistchurch.org. That's the number onebaptistchurch.org. And it's the first time we've ever been able to uh, provide an online option for giving. If you're listening to this and you are a, a regular listener and, and somebody who has uh, been to our church physically before uh, COVID hit and you have been used to mailing your checks in, you can keep doing that. Uh, if you have been tithing through the mail, absolutely keep putting your, your stamp on an envelope and, and sending that in. Um, but if it would be more convenient to, for you uh, to give directly from your checking account, through a, a debit card or credit card, um, now you can do that through Tithely. It's just a, another way to give. And I don't want anybody to hear this as us begging for money because we know that, that God has, has more than enough for us and has been very generous and gracious to us. But if you're hearing our podcast and if the Holy Spirit has spoken to you uh, through the work of First Baptist Church, if, if you have heard God's word proclaimed through First Baptist Church and, and you have grown and uh, in the love and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ through our church, uh, then please consider, consider giving. Um, please consider thanking God uh, for what he's given you through our church. Tithely is available again at onebaptistchurch.org. This morning, we are grateful for who God is. We are grateful that God loves us, that through Jesus, we know that God loves us, not because we are deserving or have done anything to deserve it, but God loves us because God is love. And God loves you. And remember that this morning and through the rest of the week.
Hear the word of the Lord. Praise the Lord. How good to sing praises to our God. How delightful and how fitting. The Lord is rebuilding Jerusalem and bringing the exiles back to Israel. He heals the brokenhearted and bandages their wounds. He counts the stars and calls them all by name. How great is our Lord! His power is absolute. His understanding is beyond comprehension. The Lord supports the humble, but he brings the wicked down into the dust. Sing out your thanks to the Lord. Sing praises to our God with a harp. He covers the heavens with clouds, provides rain for the earth, and makes the grass grow in mountain pastures. He gives food to the wild animals and feeds the young ravens when they cry. He takes no pleasure in the strength of a horse or in human might. No, the Lord's delight is in those who fear him, those who put their hope in his unfailing love. Have you never heard? Have you never understood? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. He never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Even youths will become weak and tired, and young men will fall in exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Praise the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us bow humbly before the Lord in prayer. Father God, we do humbly bow before you in prayer today. We know that you know all, and we are thankful that you continuously work in our lives. We thank you for the power of your word and your presence over our lives. We thank you that no weapon formed against us will prosper, for greater are you who are in us than he who is in the world. We pray that you will cast down every threat and accusation, every abusive word and cruel attack hurled our way. We praise you that nothing is impossible with you, that you are loving and gracious, full of mercy and might. We trust in you alone to rise up strong on our behalf. Thank you that you are our defender and strong tower our refuge and strength. Thank you that you fight for us today, and in our weakness, you make us strong. Today, I pray for our congregation and lift up to you the many prayer requests that we all have. There is sickness among some of our members which require treatments that leave them not feeling well. Be with them, Father. Wrap them in your protective arms. Help them feel your presence, for you are closer to them than a brother. Be with the extended families as they care for them and give them encouragement. Give these precious people strength in order to minister to their loved ones. Be with the health care providers as they determine the best course of treatment. As the pandemic continues, I pray that those who want to receive the vaccine will be able to get it and that it may protect those who receive it from getting COVID-19. Help our prayer to be one of praying that your will be done in all situations. Be with our young church as they continue to wonder what will happen. If there is discouragement, may they find encouragement from our young church leaders. I thank you, Lord, for the power of the Holy Spirit, and may he be a presence in these kids' lives and in our young church leaders' lives. 
Bless each young person as they seek your love. Be with the HOPE program as we continue to feed those who are hungry. Give Bob and Janet Ray strength to continue to run the program. I also thank you for the volunteers who each week help. Bless each one of them. I also thank you that you have protected all of us who help from sickness from the virus. Let this ministry show the love of Jesus as we minister to those who are less fortunate. Bless each member of our congregation. I pray that as a congregation we put our reliance on the power of the Holy Spirit and that we follow his leading in the weeks and months to come. You will make known what that leading will be. Be with our missionaries around the world. I pray for their protection as they take to gospel, take the gospel to those who need to hear it. May their faith be strong and the Spirit of God be their guide. I pray for the America for Christ offering this month. May we open our hearts and pocketbooks and generously give to help fund necessary programs in our own country. I lift this offering to you, Lord, and pray that it will be used for where the need is greatest. Be with our pastor today as he brings us a message from your word. Fill him with the Holy Spirit as he brings his message. Open our ears and hearts to receive this message. May our podcast be a blessing to all who hear it. In closing, my prayer for you this week is, O God, enlighten my mind with truth. Inflame my heart with love. Inspire my will with courage. Enrich my life with service. Pardon what I have been. Sanctify what I am. Order what I shall be, and thine shall be glory, and mine the eternal salvation. Through Jesus Christ my Lord. Amen. John 4, 1 through 15. Jesus knew the Pharisees and had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John. Though Jesus himself didn't baptize them, his disciples did. So he left Judah and returned to Galilee. He had to go through Samari on the way. Eventually he came to Samaritan village of Sychar near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from a long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon, a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking for a drink? Jesus replied, If you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me, and I would give you living water. But, sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this well is very deep. Where would you get the living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Jesus replied, Anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again, but those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water, then I'll never be thirsty again and I won't have to come to get water. I'd like to begin today with a quote from one of the great philosophers of the 20th century, 
uh, and that would be Marx. No, not that one, Groucho. Um, and it was Groucho Marx who once said, I don't want to belong to any club that would accept me as one of its members. And Groucho Marx uh, wrote this in his resignation from the Friars Club in New York City. And I think when we, I think of that quote um, and, and it's Groucho Marx is full of, of little quips and, and bits of uh, humor like that. At least I think it's funny. Um, but that one touches me in a different sort of a way because I think there are a lot of people in our world who have been, who are, who are distant from God's church, that, that are distant from the family of Jesus Christ. And maybe they're a little bit afraid. Maybe they think that to be a follower of Jesus, you, you have to be cleaned up and perfect before you, you show up. Uh, and so they're, they're a, little, a little hesitant to come to take a step towards Jesus and his church. Maybe there has been a follower of Jesus that they know, and none of us are perfect. But sometimes there are people who who claim the name of Jesus, who claim the title of Christian, but don't live a life that reflects Jesus very well. And maybe they knew one of those people and thought, if this is what followers of Jesus are like, I don't know if I want to have anything to do with it. Or maybe, sadly, there, there was a church in somebody's life that completely put them off of following Jesus. Or they may just never have thought about coming towards Jesus or, or being a part of, of God's family. But one way or another, we have to deal with the fact that there are people who are outside of, of the church. Now, they're not outside the lordship of Christ. We know that Jesus is Lord by his death, resurrection, and ascension that Jesus reigns. No one is outside the Lordship of Christ, but there may be people who have not had a warm welcome or a great experience with God's family, if they've ever had an experience with God's family at all. And I think, how do we as followers of Jesus deal with this? Because there are people that we think of as other. There are people that, that we, we have a tendency to say, this is us, and these people are not us, and so these people are going to be other. Um, and it may be people who are not followers of Jesus, like I, like I said, who have not yet come into the family of God. They may be people who uh, are in the family of God, and we uh, we think of them because they're as other, because they're different than us. They they look different. They are are different in any number of of ways. And so, how do we deal with people who are other? When I read this passage, I see that in our interactions with people that we see as other, Christ can be present. Christ can be revealed. And by interacting with these people in a Christ-like way, we can draw them closer to the family of God and show them who Jesus is. We look at this passage in John chapter 4, and Jesus meets somebody who to most other Jews, if not all other Jews of Jesus's day, would be considered to be other. Samaritans were a, a group of people who um, were left behind in the Babylonian exile. And Babylon then had exiled other people from their lands and put them in the Israelite territory. 
and the Israelites who lived north of, of Jerusalem in the northern part of the land intermarried with these people from other lands, and they were the Samaritans. And we know from, from Jesus' story of the Good Samaritan, if you've, if you've ever read that one before, uh, it was a parable that Jesus told. And we know that there was hostility between the Jews and Samaritans. Sometimes it was subtle uh, and, and very passive aggressive. It was a sh much shorter journey if you were going from the region of Galilee, which was a, a Jewish region uh, north of Samaria, it was much shorter if you would go through Samaria on your way to Jerusalem. But sometimes the Samaritans would attack people on the way to uh, Jerusalem. And the Jews considered the Samaritans to be unclean and they didn't want to do anything to risk their ritualistic cleanliness. And so sometimes they would go all the way around Samaria so that they could avoid having to go through the Samaritan-held territory. And as I said, sometimes there were attacks, there was violence, there was bloodshed, there was murder in the feud between the Jews and the Samaritans. They were definitely considered other by each other. And so here we have Jesus and we have Jesus interacting with someone who already is other to a Jewish man. And also we, we know from, from some things that we can see in the story, some little bits and pieces uh, that are left into the tale, that this woman who shows up in, in the story, the woman at the well, as she's so widely known, that she is other to her own people. She shows up at this well at noontime and most of the people, women were the ones who would commonly go and get the water. They would bring jugs and uh, clay pots and they would fill their vessels from the well uh, and take it back home for cooking, for cleaning, for, for bathing, etc. And they would go early in the morning because you have to have breakfast. You have to start cooking early in the day. And so they would go get the water early. Well, when is this woman showing up? She's showing up at noontime. She didn't want to run into the rest of the women of the village. And the feeling seemed to be kind of mutual that they didn't want to run into her. So she comes by at noon. And she meets someone, <clears throat> she meets someone that she does not expect. The last person she was expecting to find at this well was a Jewish man, nevertheless, a Jewish man of God. And we know who Jesus is. We knew, know who she was meeting at the well, but she did not realize who she was going to meet at the well. As we see how Jesus deals with her, though, we see a pattern for how to deal with people that we might be tempted to see as other. Because our conception of other is not pure. Our conception of other is always going to be tainted. It's always going to be sullied and ruined by our biases, by our, um, our upbringing sometimes can determine who we see as other. Um, the news media or the movies, books, television that we consume can influence us as who is other. But when we look at what Jesus says and how he treats this woman, we see how we can consider treating people that we're tempted to consider as other. The first thing we see Jesus do is even before anything else, 
and and underneath this whole story he acknowledges that this woman is made in the image of god in genesis chapter 1 you go all the way back to the beginning and when god creates humanity he blesses them male and female he created them and he says it is very good humanity is made in the image of god and that hasn't changed when sin entered the world when humanity rebelled against god the image of god was broken and tarnished but it never disappeared it was never removed god never revoked the blessing of his image from humanity. Now we know there are people who do what they can to uh, to try to deny their own humanity or to deprive other people of their humanity. We know there are people who are cruel. There are people who uh, discriminate against other people and treat other people terribly based on a number of different factors, based on the color of their skin, based on their gender, based on their sexuality, based on where they came from. And even as they are trying to deny people their, the image of God within them, they're denying them the image of God within themselves. The image of God lives within all of us. And again, we're broken. We're broken people. But God's good image is still within all of us. And when we're tempted to make somebody other, when we think of somebody as other, we ought to ask ourselves why. We ought to ask ourselves why we feel the need to put distance, relational distance between us and somebody else. And are we doing this in a way that deprives them of the image of God that lives within them? There's no use saying that, that somebody is, uh, if somebody is committing evil or, or hurting other people, there's no sense saying that they're uh, a good person when they're, they're doing evil. But even as people are doing evil, we remember that the image of God is broken within them, but it's still there. And that most of the people who commit great evil in our world are deeply broken people themselves. And so as this woman walks up to Jesus, he doesn't treat her as other. He ignores the whole division between Jews and Samaritans. He ignores this animosity. He ignores this tenacity that the two groups have had against each other. And he treats her like a person. He doesn't care that she's a woman who's showing up at a well at noontime. He doesn't care. I, we're going to find out. Um, spoiler alert. We're going to talk about this, uh, this interaction between Jesus and the woman again next week. Um, because it's too good of a story just to spend uh, one week on. But he, he knows who she is. We're going to find out why she's coming to the well at noon. We won't have to infer next week. But even for this week, Jesus treats her with dignity, deserving of somebody who is blessed with the image of God. He puts aside biases. And we need to do this too. If, if there's somebody that we, as we're, as we're going through our lives, as we're going through our days, as we're, um, you know, whatever it is that we're doing, we need to check our biases. We need to check our, uh, the people that we consider to be other, the people that we might hold at arm's length and consider why we're doing that. And if we are, if we are treating everybody with the dignity 
that they deserve as, as humanity. The next thing we see Jesus doing is we see him being present with the other person. He has come to a Samaritan well. He has not come to preach. He has not come to teach. He has not come to baptize. He has come to this well for two reasons. He's tired and he's thirsty. Yes, Jesus is fully God, but he is also fully human. And as fully human, we see Jesus eat. Oh my gosh, we see Jesus eat and eat and eat. Uh, this guy just goes through, uh, goes through the four gospels eating. And in the book of Acts, right before Jesus ascends into heaven, he's eating. Jesus likes to eat. Jesus falls asleep uh, in a ship that is being tossed about on the seas and he's having a nap and his disciples go to get him. And right here, he's been on a long walk and he's tired and he's thirsty and he want, wants a drink. And this woman is tired, probably tired of, of this division and animosity between herself and the other people of her village. And she's arrived for a drink. It's easy to forget when we're holding somebody at arm's length or, or acknowledging their otherness more than their humanity, that we're all made in the image of God and we're all people. And when we, when we come into situations with other people, We need to be present with them as people. Um, sometimes as, as followers of Jesus, we, um, we can be tempted to think that um, anytime we meet somebody who is, is not explicitly uh, from God's family or who, who we have discerned is, is not a follower of Jesus or, or know uh, by their own confession is not a follower of Jesus, that it's our our role to evangelize them immediately and, and begin uh, sharing uh, the good news of Jesus Christ with them. And, and not that that's a bad thing, but I think we have to earn the right to share the good news with them by treating them like people. Because even Jesus does this. Before he says a word about the, the living water that he has, he acknowledges that he is present in her area, in her world, and in her situation. He acknowledges that he's on her turf, and he's present with her and what she's doing in her needs. And what does it mean to be present? It means to acknowledge each other's humanity. It means to just say, you know, hey, I'm here for a drink. You're here for a drink. They, the first conversation they have is, is they start talking about water. Why? Because they're at a well. You know, if you're, if you're in the, the line at the grocery store, what are you likely to talk about with somebody? Groceries. What's the easiest small talk to make with any human being is to talk about the weather. And especially in the Pacific Northwest, everybody knows how to talk about the weather. <laughs> oh, it's gray and rainy outside. Shocker. Uh, <laughs> Or when it's one of those, those bright sunny days that we get every now and then in, in February in Oregon, everybody talks about it. It's the talk of the town. It's sunny outside. We're people. We live. Acknowledging each other and being present with each other's humanity affirms that image of God with each other and recognizes that we all have value. But then Jesus begins kind of doing his, we'll call it his Jesus thing. He kind of starts to begin poking and prodding into, uh, into what's going on underneath this conversation about water. 
and he acknowledges that there's a deeper reality going on in this interaction. And we have to remember that in every human interaction we go into, there's always a deeper reality going on. That there is a, an invisible spiritual realm that we don't see, but we interact with all the time. And there are, there are forces and there are powers and principalities and Jesus is Lord of all of them. But some of them resist the Lordship of Christ and some of them uh, lead into the Lordship of Christ. Love, joy, kindness, all of these things point to the Lordship of Christ. All of these things point to who God is. And so when, when we allow ourselves spiritually to be present with Jesus in interactions with other humans, then we are able to see what's going on and we're able to acknowledge this, this spiritual reality that's happening underneath the conversation. Jesus knows they're not just talking about water. Jesus knows that there is more to what's going on than just getting water out of a well. And when Jesus says that he has living water, she doesn't, isn't thinking of this in a spiritual way. Because living water meant water from a stream or from a, a spring or that's bubbling up from the ground that's running water rather than the stagnant water from a well. So when, when she says, um, please, sir, give me this living water, and Jesus is talking, she's thinking we're still talking about water. Jesus knows there's something else that's going on here. She thinks that Jesus knows that there's a spring somewhere that is superior to this well. When we're interacting with other people, especially people that we consider to be other, we need to be present with Jesus because it's the spirit of Jesus that tells us what to say. It's the spirit of Jesus that guides us into what to do and into these interactions that we have with other people. It's the spirit of God through Jesus Christ. We call it the Holy Spirit. And it's this spirit that points out these, these things that are going on underneath the surface. When we see Jesus starting to tell her about the living water that he can offer. And when we hear how he describes the life that he brings as the living water that bubbles up, he's acknowledging a spiritual reality with physical terms. And he is drawing this woman into an awareness of this, this spiritual reality. And we'll see this uh, again next week, <laughs> shameless plug. We'll see this come up more and more in the conversation. When we are present with Jesus, we know how to be truly and authentically present with another person. Now, you may be asking yourself, how am I supposed to be present with other people when we're living in a time right now where we're supposed to be wearing masks six feet apart, very good precautions, good and prudent precautions to take because of this virus that is spreading rapidly still through our, our city, our state, our nation, and our, our world. How are we supposed to be present? And, and how are we supposed to do this work of being present with the other? Well, here's a couple of thoughts. We all know very well, or if we do, if we bring this to the Lord in prayer, we will find out very easily who we consider to be as other who we consider to be less than human. And a good, a good test of it is, is this, is who would you not want to be stuck on an elevator with? Who would you be very uncomfortable if you were stuck on an elevator with? Even for a couple of, even riding a couple of floors 
in an elevator, who would you not want to be on an elevator with? Because that person is still made in the image of God. That person is still loved by God and cared for by God. And we're considering that person to be other. And even though you're not physically present with this person, it's worthwhile to consider why we think of, of that person in such a way to separate them from the rest of humanity in our minds. And so to ask God to show you your biases, show you if you, if you have, search me, O God, and know my heart. That's a great prayer from the Psalms. Um, see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me into the way of everlasting. That's Psalm 139. Um, God will show us the people that we're thinking of as, as other. And we can start to do that work so that as we, uh, as, as vaccinations happen, as we <clears throat> hopefully in the, the coming months re resume something that looks like a normal life, um, that we have already done this hard work of breaking down our, our biases within ourselves. But even now, you got to go to the grocery store. You, you've got to go uh, out sometimes to get things for your house or, or to get you know, pet food or whatever it is. And so you, you've got your mask on, you're standing in line, and you still are around people. And, and you can talk through your mask. It's okay. You, you, can, you can talk. And uh, I, after nearly a year of this, I think we're, we're kind of starting to learn how to tell if somebody's smiling through their mask or if, if somebody's having a difficult time, we're, we're getting re better at reading each other's eyes. Pay attention. Look for opportunities to be present with each other's humanity. Because I think right now that's even more powerful than usual. To pay attention to each other's humanity and to pay attention to where Jesus is in, in the scene. Because there may be an opportunity, even if we don't explicitly talk about Jesus or lead people towards Jesus, there may be an opportunity for us to be the grace, peace, love, and mercy of Jesus Christ in the life of somebody else. Because Jesus offers a living water. It's bubbling up from within us. And if we are followers of Jesus, we have this living water within us. It's not stagnant. It shouldn't be stagnant. It should be bubbling up from the Holy Spirit and pouring out as fresh water that's life-giving to people around us. And we can't do that if we're considering people as other. When we look within ourselves and when we look at other people, we need to see Jesus Christ present, active, moving and working so that we have opportunities to welcome people into the family of God, or at the very least, acknowledge their humanity and show them that there is a living water, that there is a love and goodness and mercy that transcends the thin ways of this world and points people to a God who loves them and cares about them and points them to a Jesus who wants them to be whole people. Because that's the goal, is for, Jesus to, is for people to be whole through Jesus Christ, and to have this living water bubbling out of them as well. Hear the word of the Lord. Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Anyone who is thirsty may come to me, 
Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. They stand in front of God's throne and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will give them shelter. They will never again be hungry or thirsty. They will never be scorched by the heat of the sun. For the lamb on the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of life-giving water. And God will wipe every tear from their eyes. Is anyone thirsty? Come and drink, even if you have no money. Come, pick your choice of wine or milk. It's all free. Why spend your money on food that does not give you strength? Why pay for food that does you no good? Listen to me, and you will eat what is good. You will enjoy the finest food. But blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. They are like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. They will come home and sing songs of joy. They will be radiant because of the Lord's good gifts, the abundant crops of grain, new wine, and olive oil, and the healthy flocks and herds. Their life will be like a watered garden, and all their sorrows will be gone. For as the waters fill the sea, the earth will be filled with an awareness of the glory of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We come now to the Lord's table. It is the table set for us by Jesus in our presence. And it is the table that followers of Jesus have come to through the centuries to recognize who Jesus is and to recognize the ways of Jesus around the table, to be reconciled to Jesus, to find forgiveness and mercy at the table and the unity of the body of Christ. If you are listening to this before 11.30 a.m. on the 7th of February, 2021, and that is Pacific time, 11.30 a.m. Pacific time, you are welcome to join us on Zoom. Uh, We do have communion at the beginning of our uh, Zoom coffee hour, the first Sunday of the month. Um, And if you don't have that uh, link, it's in your Friday email. Uh, If you don't have that email and you still want to join us, you can email baptist.church at comcast.net, and we'll be happy to send you 
uh, the link to our Zoom coffee hour so that you can join uh, with our table uh, as we join, come to the table uh, set for us by Jesus. The table of bread is now to be made ready. It is the table of company with Jesus and all who love him. It is the table of sharing with the poor of the world with whom Jesus identified himself. It is the table of communion with the earth in which Christ became incarnate. So come to this table, you who have much faith and you who would like to have more, you who have been here often and you who have not been for a long time, you who have tried to follow Jesus and you who have failed, come, it is Christ who invites us to meet him here. We proclaim to you a mystery that Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ is coming again. Let's pray. Loving God, through your goodness, we have this bread and cup to offer, which has come forth from the earth and human hands have made. May we know your presence in the sharing so that we may know your touch and presence in all things. We celebrate the life that Jesus has shared among his community through the centuries and shares with us now. Made one in Christ and one with each other, we offer these gifts and with them ourselves a single living act of praise. Amen. For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it into pieces and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this to remember me. Looking back at what Christ did for us on the cross, take and eat the bread. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. And looking back at what Christ did for us on the cross and looking forward to when we drink this cup anew in the age to come, in the presence of Jesus and all of God's family, take and drink. For whenever you eat this bread, and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Amen. Set us free, O God, from the bondage of our sins, and give us the liberty of that abundant life which you have made known to us in your Son and Savior, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. We thank you for joining us this morning for worship. We pray that as uh, we have sung and prayed, and as you have heard scripture read and proclaimed, and as we have come to the Lord's table, that you would have had a sense of the presence of Jesus Christ in our midst. Next week, as I said, we'll be talking more about this woman who came to the well, talking about why it is that she came to Jesus and what Jesus knows about her and the difference that this is going to make. If there is a way that you are in need, whether it's in need of prayer, whether it's in a physical need for, for food or, or anything else, please get in touch with our church. Our website, again, is the number onebaptistchurch.org. That's onebaptistchurch.org. And our phone number and email address are both on the website. Uh, there's even a, a form that you can fill in so that you don't have to, to go over to your uh, email app or, or email account. Um, you can fill it in and hit send and it, it shows up to us. Um, and if there's a way that we can pray for you or, or provide for your needs in the name of Jesus, please let us know. I'd like to thank Jeannie Vance for our prelude this morning. I'd like to thank Melissa Mellinger, our Director of Worship and Youth, for leading us in song. I'd like to thank Jim Leatherman, our church moderator, for leading us in prayer. I'd like to thank Ashley Adams for reading the scripture this morning. And I'd like to thank Gary and Doreen Hunley, our audio engineers, for making everything sound good. And remember, love God, love your neighbor, wear your mask, and wash your hands. <laughs>